Welcome to Gaia's Consciousness Podcast, expanding your mind and spirit. Learn even more at Gaia.com. Watch interviews, movies, and original series created to empower the evolution of consciousness. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. Your journey begins here. Jerry Wills is back with us again. This time we're going back to his roots and healing and looking at some of the illnesses that are becoming epidemic as well as how we can powerfully engage with our own healing processes rather than waiting for a healer like him to do it for us. And on that note, as I just say that, I know I've been a bit of a whiner the last few hours, but you just performed the most wonderful healing on me because I'd burned one, two, three, four bandages there. I'd burned the heck out of four fingers this morning, all blistering up. And it was just really excruciating. And Suzanne, our lovely makeup artist and friend, texted you and said, Jerry, when you get to the studio, do some juju. And I'd, last show I did, I had my fingers stuck in a bucket of ice the whole show because it hurt so much. But you did something, and you were blowing on it, and you were doing some other things, and the pain's virtually gone. I figure it'll be gone within the next 30 minutes. Usually takes about an hour for something that um, that's serious to really have a turnaround. Usually when I work with someone, I try to sit things up so the body moves more slowly so it isn't taxed. But in the case of when I've worked with someone that has something seriously that's going on, I try to fix things immediately. The problem is when I do it that way, it can sometimes cause a little bit more pain before oh, yeah. it feels better. My eyes were forming tears when you were working on it because I burned it three times, not once, but three times in a row, which I don't even want to get into the stupidity that allowed that to happen. <laughs> but um, so it was really burnt. The skin was now feeling like paper. It, so it's going to, I'm going to lose all the skin on my thumb and three fingers. But what you did to bring the energy up caused immense pain initially. I had to bring um, a great deal of blood into the area, really saturate it. And of course you were breathing, you know, pretty deeply as a result of that anyway. Yeah. So a lot more oxygen was there. But I was bringing all the resources of your body to bear to bring it up to that point so that even though it was hurting, there were immense changes that were being initiated. And yeah, within 10 minutes, the pain started subsiding. Yeah, and you know. I, I figure within an hour, which now, about a half hour from now, before the show's over, it should feel pretty good. Well, I just want to say thank you, and it's not the first time. I remember one time you came into the studio, and I was talking at lunch with some people, and I don't know if I laughed or coughed or something, but it burst uh, the blood vessels in my eye, and it was the whole thing was, was blood red. Mm -hmm. And you came in and did your juju, and I woke up, and by morning, it was gone. Yeah. So you just always come right at the right time for me. <laughs> Not only to deliver your beautiful messages to the rest of us. When someone's in pain, it really hurts my heart. Yeah, I and know. You have a very sweet, tender heart. I, I, I just don't like it when someone's in pain. It really bothers me. Yeah. You know, I can feel it. I've, you know, when I finished working with your hand, it was burning the inside of my hand. You know, right. I can feel what you were feeling. Yeah. And, of course, I can get rid of it. Right. It's, it's just a mirror image of energy. But you getting rid of it was much more difficult. Yes. But I, I want to talk to you about that. So that's where our conversation really begins, is mm -hmm. when you encounter someone, something's happened, um, especially if it's acute like that. But even if it's chronic, is I know healers operate in different ways and have different ways of accessing the information. So let's go on the inside of Jerry's head and inside of your feeling and the senses in general and tell us what it looks like when you start entering in to someone else's body to see what's going on. Because I know even with my burnt fingers, you went, oh, you know, you, you jump back and like something when you connect it in. So tell what it, what it looks like from your viewpoint. Well, the first thing that happens, let, let's just use you as the example okay. first because that's most recent. And you'll understand this more comprehensively. When I first got close, let me see your hand. Mm -hmm. When I first got close like this, mm -hmm. and you can probably feel my, my energy coming towards oh, yeah. you right now, mm -hmm. I was receiving, I wasn't sending, mm -hmm. because I wanted to know, I wanted to get all the images, I wanted to feel what you were feeling. Mm -hmm. And that's what made me jump. 
It was just something I couldn't control. Right. It just kind of shocks the system. And then after I had that as an idea, the next thing that I wanted to do was to start pulling all of this energy because it was all dispersed. I wanted to pull it into a focus. Mm -hmm. And when I had it into a focus, and I'll explain that in a moment, but when I had it into a focus, then I could start reconstructing the patterns of the energy around your hand and your fingers more specifically so that it was more like it's supposed to be. It's like jump-starting a car, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Once I had that in place, then I sent energy down through your arm and into your body and started pulling from your entire body up to this point, and that's when you started feeling all that pain. Mm -hmm. But I was pulling um, nonspecific cells, uh, all kinds of material to bring it up here, minerals, So let's enzymes. talk about that. How did you know what to bring up? So how does that show itself to you so that you know what to call upon and draw mm -hmm. forth before we get into this whole notion of focus? Sure. Well, the way that it occurs to me is because I, I really don't know how to answer that. It's not like I have a sheet of paper with details on it. Mm -hmm. And it's not like I have any medical background. I don't. Mm -hmm. But I just intuitively know things, which is hard to explain. But I also see things. Yeah. And these things that I see, I mean, when I look at you or look at your hand or look at any person, I can just see the person. But if I drop into another frame of reference, then I can see the field around you. And every person that I've ever encountered has a beautiful field, a beautiful soul inside. When I see the field around the person, there's going to be things that are or are not correct from what my experience has taught me. And that's basically that it's coherent, that it flows, that it moves, and that there aren't any gaps, that there are um, smooth features. And of course, for your hand, that wasn't the case. Right. It was diffuse. As though someone incoherent. had uh, incoherent. Mm -hmm. So because of that, that's where it came into the focus to reconstruct that field. Once I have that in 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 hand, to where I can see that that's occurred, the next step is to go down inside the person's body. Okay. And when I go inside of a person's body, and I do this every day with my clients all over the world, then I see things. For example. Let's say that a person had an issue with their liver. Uh, when I take a look at the outside first, then I see there's an issue, and they're, they're saying, well, I have this liver issue, whatever it might be. Maybe it's hepatitis or a fatty liver, but some liver issue. Then I can see it in the field before I ever get inside. Mm -hmm. Then I go inside, because I try to change it on the outside first to see what's going to happen if I change it. And sometimes it's enough. Sometimes that changes it, and I know things are going to move in the right direction. But if it doesn't really change the way that I think it should change, as fast as it should change, or if I change it and it changes back, it doesn't want to stay there, these are things I see. So then I go inside, and I take a walk around the liver. Size is not something that is a consideration here. Instead, it's like my consciousness goes into this area. Mm -hmm, like a little bot, little nanobot. Exactly. And mm -hmm. it can be as big as this room or as small as a pea. Mm -hmm. Well, there's no benefit in small as a pea. Mm -hmm. So I get myself seemingly uh, small so I can go and you look. downsize as the recent movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I go looking, and the, the smaller that I become, the larger, in this case, the liver becomes. And then I can see the patterns on the, on the shape of the liver. And I can see the fields moving through. And there's one there that isn't quite right, so I get smaller still and go into that area until I get to the point where I'm at the size I need to be to see what the problem is. That's how it is for me, and what I'm seeing I didn't realize I was seeing exactly the way that things look. I, you know, I, How I, did you find that out? Well, there was a fellow that I worked on. He was a doctor. And he, in this case, he had a liver issue. He was terribly sick, not expected to live. 
and his friend had brought me there to see him. This is in Northern California. I went and took a look, and I don't know what the liver looks like. I've never really studied anatomy. So I went down, doing the same process I just described, and I could see all these details. So the fellow is saying, because he's a doctor as well, and he's saying, what do you see? What do you see? I said, well, I see the liver, but I see these round areas that kind of have a greenish tint to them with kind of another round area inside. It's a little paler. And there's wrinkles here, and, and I could see my own liver. It didn't look like that. And so I was describing it to him. And he says, well, that's exactly what it looks like. I've done autopsies on a lot of cadavers. I've seen this before, and that's exactly what this disease does to the liver. It must have freaked him out. He was pretty shocked. Yeah. And I was like, well, how about that? Interesting. Because I didn't know. Right. Well, since then, I, I mean, this is over the course of over 20 years ago that this happened. And since that time, I've tried to make it a point to get to know more about this. You know, some people are very squeamish. They probably could never do an autopsy. Right. If I had an opportunity, I would, because I want to look inside to really see for myself what's there versus what I'm seeing. And I think in most cases, when I've spoken to uh, clinical researchers and uh, doctors, surgeons, uh, at least those who have done the autopsies, they know what they're talking about, what I'm seeing goes far beyond what they've ever seen mm -hmm. because I can just keep getting smaller. Mm -hmm. I can get down to the red blood cell size and walk into a red blood cell. And when I get down to the red blood cell size, I can go into the red blood cell to take a look and see whatever is there. I mean, there's some folks uh, of some races who have sickle cell anemia, and I've gone in and taken a look at that, and it's surprising what it looks like. Uh, it it kind of looks like a weird shape on the red blood cell. Mm -hmm. um, you mean like a sickle-shaped cell? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I've never seen that under a microscope, but I'd love to. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, beyond going even that small, the smallest I've ever gone was down to see what genes look like and to observe that. I've done that a couple of times. There comes a point when I get so small that it's as though I'm entering another universe. Yeah, because it's not material anymore. You know, it's just points of light in right. a vast, empty space. Right. Uh, it's Which is all we're composed of anyway. Well, I know, but... you know, But still, to go into that, where's your point of reference? Yeah, there's no point of reference. Right. And what would happen if I continued getting small? Would I end up in a world where there's another world with people. You know, I've asked myself this question and it does sound, it does sound kind of strange and perhaps far-fetched, but you know, as a matter of curiosity, I just wonder about this. And it's, it's astonishing to be able to see things like this. Well, there, are, there have been novels and such based on almost such things, right? Oh yeah, Where you discover Fantastic yet voyage. another universe. I mean, if you just look at the notion of you know, fractals, the fractal universe, for example, in, mm -hmm. in fractal form. It's that. It keeps drilling down into itself, replicated again and again. So mm -hmm. now when you get into an area that is even smaller than DNA, now you're getting into, and where you, there is no point of reference, now you're getting into consciousness. Mm -hmm. I mean, and again, consciousness is what superimposes itself and creates the effects that we start seeing from the genetic level all the way back up. and. I mean, even I had the, a weird experience this morning in that, not weird, I actually had time to meditate before I came into work. Had a lovely meditation, just kind of going through a lot of constituents of life. And the one thing that um, my being or my guide said was, still the one thing you have not mastered and you, you have not learned is how to care for yourself. In that I don't take time for massages and uh, or really anything uh, to take care of myself. It's like everybody else's need or desire kind of comes first. And I'm not saying that in any sacrificial way. It says I don't have any boundaries. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, well, I need to learn to do that. Boom. A few minutes later, I burned the heck out of my fingers three times. And now 
all these people are so lovely in helping me, including you, in this whole notion of care because I didn't take the time to do it for myself. And so I thought it didn't go unnoticed because now I have to pay for it for a while. But in each of these things, right down to cirrhosis of the liver or whatnot, there is a consciousness that's pervading that too. And how is your? how do you intertwine with or start reading into the consciousness then that created the problem? Well, I don't know about what created the problem because I think there's another force at work there within us that guides and directs us in an unseen way and quite often it, it, it approaches our consciousness and we question it. We don't really trust it. And you'd think that I would, but this afternoon I went to one of the cannabis dispensaries right and I was holding in my hand a bottle of CBD oil right and I'm thinking to myself because I felt so compelled to do it and I'm thinking why do I feel like I need this I don't need this and it just like kept washing over me and I thought oh I'm just you know must be the altitude or maybe I got way too cold because it's real cold here, as you know. Oh, yeah, it's very cold right now. So I, I handed it back to the guy, and I said, yeah, well, I'll think about this and come back. And then I find out from Susan that you've hurt your fingers, and that's exactly and what we're And you were already on your way here. I was. I, I couldn't go back and get it, and, and I just was kicking myself. Why didn't I do this? One of the things that I have found over and over again when I've gone small and come back out again is that no matter how small I've ever gone, how deep I've ever gone into this, the vast expanse of consciousness and the presence of incredible awareness, because those are two separate things. And, and explain the difference in a moment. No matter how small I've gotten, it's just as powerful there as it is where I sit today. And the difference between consciousness and awareness is that consciousness is like the light that hits the wall. And you're conscious, it's a light hitting the wall. Awareness is looking at the wall and understanding what you're seeing. The more aware you are, the more aware you can become. And awareness is what gives you back the feedback that allows you to ask the question, why? Right. Like, why did I not pick up the CBD oil when a few minutes later I was going to get a text that someone, in this case me, really needed it? And that's what yeah. you intuitively picked up would be the best thing to use for the next several days or whatever till skin starts removing itself or whatnot. Oh, well, the way I did this, the skin is going to be fine. My God, I hope so. It sure looks ugly now, all gray and bloated. <laughs> Many years ago, I was in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And I thought it would be fun to light off a handful of bottle rockets with my cigarette. Well, that sounds like a swell time, an accident waiting to happen, in other words. Well, I had my kids there, and we were on a beach, and it yeah. was in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. You know how we go in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So I lit it off, and they all went off. Oh, jeez. And I had second and third degree burns over the, my whole hand. It was just burned up. I was going into Ow. shock. Oh, yeah. It was Ow. just terrible. Well, you know, usually with third-degree burns, you don't end up scarless. You, you end up with some evidence of it. And I did what you did. I went and found some ice, stuck my hand in the ice, and I'm going into shock. And then I remembered that what I needed to do was to focus energy there and just heal it, which is what I did with you. Mm -hmm. Instantly, the pain was gone, and within two weeks... All the skin just dried up, flaked off like a bad sunburn, and there were no scars. No, there aren't. So, you know, the process of awareness is far beyond the, uh, the boundaries of just consciousness. Consciousness isn't that big of a deal. People want to get higher consciousness. What is higher consciousness? It's just brighter light, but... Awareness is actually when you can take a look and see the intrinsic details and understand what you're seeing. Mm -hmm. And so that's what the difference is between the two. So 
you're using obviously a combination of both when you go inside someone's body. Consciousness is a light. Right. That exposes the issue. Right. And awareness, awareness can suss out what it is and then what to do. Right. Does the, the does their consciousness uh, and the issues that may have led to something start feeding in at all, or do you start at the at the, at the cellular or DNA level when you start the healing process? I've had people who thought that what I did was a lot of hooey. Mm -hmm. Didn't want it, but they were coerced into it by, you know, a family member or a loved one. Their consciousness and their awareness had no bearing on this whatsoever. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what they believe. It matters what I believe. Mm -hmm. They will change their mind. They always do when it works. Mm -hmm. They don't know what to think. So no, their 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 level where they're at, it doesn't really have a significant right. impact on what I do. Well, what about their unconscious patterns that created the underlying problem? They well, created no. the problem with the liver, for example, or my uh, underlying issue of not taking the time to just care for myself and take time to myself. Well, maybe this was a wake up call for you. And well, I think it was. And yeah. that's that's why I say that. There is that small presence, maybe not so small, but we'll call it a small voice, mm -hmm. metaphorically, so it's understandable, a small voice that, that prompts us, that pushes us, that directs us in ways that aren't overt or even sometimes obvious. Mm -hmm. But it still helps us to grow. And whether that's coming from some godlike being or... It's just the greater part of ourselves mm -hmm. trying to express through our actions and our motivations what it is that we're lacking that we need. For Are you ourselves. able to reflect that back to people after you've dealt with them sometimes? Do you, do you have permission or do, do you feel inclined to share back with them? This is maybe part of how you ended up here. And Sometimes. Mm -hmm. It depends if they're willing to listen. Because mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that happen during a healing. Right. This is just one part of it. There's also, I've, I've worked on people and had their loved ones show up who have passed away. And they'll stand by them and tell me things and wanted, wanted me to tell them things they needed to know. Mm -hmm. there, there's a lot in this territory mm -hmm. that uh, if, if I'm aware, yeah. then I can help them to become more aware and sometimes these messages are very significant for them. Other times I see things and I try to give them guidance. Sometimes it's accepted, but by and large, most people want to have the magic bullet. I'm hurt, fix me, I need to go. I wanted the magic bullet today. <laughs> well, and it's understandable and yeah. you really needed it. I have three interviews ahead. <laughs> When Kathy dropped that coffee cup on her toe and broke the big toe bone, yeah, yeah. she wanted a magic bullet too. Yeah. And I knew it was going to hurt when I fixed the bone. I had to scoop her up in my arms and carry her you know, into the living room and, and just go right to work on that. And within an hour, the bone was healed and she was fine. And it, you've done this to yourself as well. Oh, yeah. I did it to myself. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I know what to expect. Mm-hmm. You know, Where I, bones can knit together miraculously in very short periods of time. Well, yeah. I mean, it's all just energy. Mm -hmm. And time doesn't exist no. in that realm of healing. No, it doesn't. You know, when I'm working on someone, my typical pattern is to do the work that I do mm -hmm. and posture their body so that I'll do this much. I don't, let's not go into percentages, but let's say I'll do this much. And now it's postured so your body can do that much as well. And then you'll heal. And it's going to take a few days. Mm -hmm. In some instances, it depends on their condition, it might take you know a week. But usually it's a few days. But in a case where you're like hurt, like you or like Kathy or like mm -hmm. the little girl in the jungle with a broken arm mm -hmm. in the middle of nowhere, yeah. I have to fix it immediately. But let's talk about when you don't. There is something about our vesting ourselves in our own well-being that does matter. Mm -hmm. And talk about that part of it. Well, that's very true. When you are going to take an active role in your own well-being, 
that's a good sign mm -hmm. because in my way of thinking that means you care about yourself mm -hmm. you know I've worked with a lot of folks and what I found happening with a lot of folks and we're, we were talking at the beginning when you were introducing this about things that I see that are going on that are rampant I see some of the same things over and over and over again with people that are uh, my age and older mm -hmm. and I give them you know the details of what they need to do and a lot of times from person to person it'll be the same information because the same thing applies to so many people some people will take that and do something about it and others will listen to it and go well that's what you told my friend well yeah because your friend had the same thing going on and she didn't know it when you get information that can change your life and you do nothing about it well that's fine it's your life you can do something or you can do nothing but I found by and large that most people are curious to know why something happened mm -hmm. and what they can do to make a difference so they don't need me mm -hmm. I do try to teach people how to do what I do so they don't need me I don't want to be needed I want to help when I can help like in your case mm -hmm. when it comes down to the final mix some people actually do take the incentive to do something to help themselves and all they were missing was knowledge mm -hmm. I get things set up to a point where if they do this next thing for themselves they're going to be fine mm -hmm. and when it doesn't work out for them that they don't do this and they're not fine you know I've, I've done the best I can Gaia.com lets you explore over 8,000 films documentaries and original series there's so much going on in the unseen world hidden truth why in the media today they still seem to hold back on these incredible stories behind an unknown universe where science and spirituality all come together Gaia.com content you can't find anywhere else for more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. But what about the, our, our own underlying belief systems where you've set them up and they're obsessed with health, for example. Mm -hmm. They're going to do everything. Uh, I mean, one thing I've found about people who are obsessed with health is that they're operating always from a position of lack. Yeah. The assumption is they're not good enough, they're not whole enough. Or they're and, not well enough. Or they're not well enough, even though they look perfectly well. Mm -hmm. You know, there's nothing you can see externally. And so even though they're dedicated to improving their health, there is this subconscious belief system they're not well enough. How, have you dealt with people like that? And they say, mm -hmm. well, I did everything you said and nothing's happening. Yeah. And when I ask them, what did you do? Mm -hmm. They basically tell me that they did everything I said, but they didn't. They got close, but they missed one or two pieces. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those one or two pieces are so significant. And it's not something that you take. It's not something that you drink. It's not an injection. And it's not fresh air. It is who you believe you are. If you think, for example, that you have something wrong with you and you won't let go of that, you're basically reinforcing the issue to remain in your body. I like to tell folks when I work with them, first take a look at the things I've told you. Understand these things. Make this knowledge yours. Feed your mind. But the next thing I want you to do afterwards, start living as though this isn't a problem for you any longer. Right. You need to change your mind about who you are and what's going on. And I know there are folks who say, well, how could I do that? I've got this terrible pain, and how can I do that? Find a way. Try. Just try. You were in terrible pain. Yeah. And now how are you feeling? I feel good. I, I really can barely feel the burns now. It's almost, Barely at all. It's almost an hour since I did it. Mm -hmm. I told you it'd be an hour. Mm -hmm. 
But I'm having fun. See, I've already moved on down the road. Well, of course. <laughs> Mentally, emotionally. <laughs> well, the point is, though, if you start living as though mm -hmm. you are something different than what you are, mm -hmm. you'll become that. There's something very real about seeing yourself different that compels every cell in your body to move in a different way. And I don't mean move like, you know, take a step to the left and step to the right. Not a hokey pokey thing. Instead, it is a state of awareness within your body. The consciousness is there. You're awake, you're alive, you're breathing. That's consciousness. The awareness is how you see yourself. What are you seeing? And it's in that part of your reality that changes can be made manifest. Because now we're talking about manifestation at its core. And who you are is basically a product of who you have believed yourself to be all this time. Absolutely. And this is something I've noticed with people, and especially people that I know and friends who are really, I mean, their, their whole focus is to wake up and research about health, take care of their bodies, get the newest supplement, you know, and so forth. And it's very anxiety-producing for me to even listen to the, all of the, you know, incredible amount of work it takes to live at that level of... Um, uh, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. But there's something, too, I noticed in common with a lot of the people. They tend to have kind of long memories. And so the patterning, and, and like you say, the way they vision themselves often does something from long ago mm -hmm. that has long been kind of reversed or moved past, but holding on to their feelings that they're still not well. It comes down, Regina, to where... Where is their fear really located? Mm -hmm. What is the intellectual process? I've seen people with baskets full of supplements, taking enough stuff to where you don't have to eat. Your right. stomach's full of all these pills. And the water it took to wash them down. Yeah. No. And why is it? It's because, number one, and these are all part of an aspect of manifestation and awareness, number one, there's an underlying doubt or fear, or both, because they're kind of the same thing, that something is wrong, I've got to do something because I'm so afraid. The second part of this is to understand that if you have that going on, you have no confidence. There is no confidence with fear. And there's no confidence in your own body's intelligence and ability mm -hmm. to recover either. So when you take a look at this overall, what you see is that a person who's trying to grab a hold of something and struggle with it and make it what they imagine it should be, instead of allowing it to be what it should be, through the confidence of knowing that they're going to be fine and they need to just see themselves this way and just allow it to be. It comes down to what I see a lot of people doing with prayer. How many people do you know that will sit there and pray for the same thing over and over and over again? Yeah. It's showing a, a, a lack of confidence in that very thing. Yeah. They don't believe that it's going to work. Right. So they have to keep asking. That's where belief and knowing become very black and white. Because if you knew, you wouldn't have to ask more than once. If you're going to manifest something, know what you want and just direct the universe to bring it to you the way that you expect it. Absolutely. And in fact, I mentioned this on another show one time, and I can't get into any great detail. It's another one of our interviewees that shared um, this process of instant healing that I happened to intuitively. Um, he told me, you know, one evening on a Saturday evening that his guides were telling, he's, he's pretty well known, his guides were telling, my guides were telling his guides to tell me that I needed to start healing again, other people. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, um, so... And he said, yeah, call me up and I'll show you what to do. So a couple days later, I got this urge. I woke up, I have to know now, right? And so I um, went over and he simply dumped out a, a bag of notes onto the floor that were thank you notes from people who had been healed. And um, then he said, I said, I read about half a dozen. I said, okay, that's enough. I, I, I understand. And then I said, so what do I do? And he handed me another piece of paper with a paragraph on it. Then he handed me this beautiful picture of a being, an angelic being, with their wings around a little child that was being revived. That was it. That was my lesson. Mm. So I thought, okay, well, thank you, and um, I appreciate it, and left. And the next morning, a dear, dear friend was having a stroke. Mm. 
-hmm. And I thought, that piece of paper, where's that piece of paper, you know? And boom, but, but this is, gets to the next point. So I followed what was on the paper to the T, and the, it stopped itself, and they couldn't even find any markers. When she was at the hospital, it just stopped. All the, it reversed its symptoms, couldn't find any markers in the blood. She'd had a stroke, and they wouldn't believe her. Mm -hmm. You know, even though she'd come in this side of her body. So the thing is, I had, I had confidence in, in the other man, because I know he, he's real. I had confidence in my own ability, probably from past lives and be doing it in this lifetime too, mm -hmm. that just simply follow this with a strong will and an understanding, but it collapses time to a state of perfection. Mm -hmm. There is no time in that particular little healing modality. It happens in a minute. Yeah. But... How often is it that the person, especially if they're working on themselves, doesn't have the, that same clarity or strength of mind or will? Mm. Well, that's where you have to help them. Well, that's what I'm wondering, though, is because we are taught in this society to give our power away to everything, everything and everyone. I mean, mm. that's, that's a, if you're going to do the truth-seeking part of our site, that's an agenda. It is. Okay. So sovereignty is not a desired outcome for society at large. So we lose our strength of will and our clarity. So how do we begin reinstilling that in ourselves so that when it's time to heal ourselves or others, we have that absolute knowingness and that strength of mind to simply be able to um, project and accomplish this? Mm, well, it's a bit of a journey. Mm -hmm. There are ways of doing it, I'm sure. You know, there's plenty of philosophers and uh, truth speakers yeah. <laughs> from ages immemorable who've approached this because this is an old question. And the bottom line is know yourself. Stop believing in other things because belief is basically suggesting that you're not sure if it's real or not or if it's got any value, but you know, I'll believe in it until I have reason to believe in something else. Stop believing in something else. Start knowing yourself. And what this fellow did for you, he helped you to know yourself, to have confidence in you. Mm -hmm. However he accomplished that, it worked. And look, you're still doing a wonderful job of healing. Your program is helping in immeasurable numbers of people. Yeah, on that level too, absolutely. So, you know, your, your presence is, uh, is a healing presence. Healing through knowledge is just as valuable as healing through illness, bringing a person out of it. There's a lot of levels of healing. Mm -hmm. You operate with a great deal of confidence. It's evident, and you do it well. And this healing that you do, whether it's on your show or in person, with working on this person you're talking about or mm -hmm. others, mm -hmm. this is you knowing yourself. Mm -hmm. And for others who want to approach this, not everybody's a healer. Mm -hmm. um, not everybody wants to be. But, but some even people just do. to take charge of your own being, your own well-being. Well, that's exactly right. And taking charge of your own being and, and having that sovereign state within yourself that I am. Whatever the end of that sentence is, however you imagine it to be, when you know that you are, that's when the entire cosmos starts working towards fulfilling that desire within you. Listen, energy doesn't have any awareness, really. It just is like water over a stone. Mm -hmm. It's directed by gravity with water, but in, aware, in, in, in this energy that's permeating the universe, it's just flowing every place. In order to harness it, it has to be done through confidence and it's an emotional state of being that causes this to occur. When you have that emotional aha moment where you go, I know who I am. I know I can do this. I am this. That's when all this energy, you're like a magnet. You it just becomes coherent. It. Yeah. it does, and you can start directing it. Mm -hmm. That's why I did those three classes that I have on my website. Mm -hmm. So people can take those and get some of this dime store philosophy of mine and put it to work so they can see the energy, so they can move things with their mind. They need to have a tangible piece of evidence so that when it comes time to really find out if this is real, there's no question. Being able to see energy is easy. 
Moving things with your mind is easy, but you have to get to a point where you are confident with who you are. Absolutely. The beauty of what the, the soul complex, higher mind and the body can do together, it certainly goes beyond anything we could even term as miraculous. Mm -hmm. You've done a lot of it yourself. We've seen it happen. I've been involved in it where you see things just knit up and heal right in the moment, right there against all quote, material, physical reality odds. Mm -hmm. So this gets into the notion of that, that we each have essentially kind of exit points in our lives. We have, uh, I always call it, um, you know, an expiration date. And you might have two or three potential expiration dates because that's what everyone's fearing is loss of this reality, you know, mm -hmm. when they go into that kind of fear. So let's talk about what that looks like through your lens the notion of if you're scheduled to kind of have an exit point and your most likely exit point is going to happen when you're 93 years old and you're 50 years old and you know you discovered something just awful going on in your body what happens if you understand that your body and your soul is capable of taking care of anything and you're not going until it's your moment your agreed upon moment to go what's your philosophy on it well and I, I you're right. You don't go until it's your time unless you push the point or you give up. Right. And that we're going to get to the reverse of that too. Yeah. But no, as far as um, an exit point, I, I fell out of an airplane hangar and died. Yeah, that was a big splat. That was a big splat. And it hurt. In well, a lot of ways. Yeah, it, it wasn't comfortable. Well, when I came back, it wasn't comfortable. It didn't hurt so bad when I was sitting up on a cloud looking at myself going, huh, how about that? I'm dead. Yeah, I'm dead. Um, what I've seen with so many people I've worked with, and some people I've worked with have expired. Mm -hmm. They've gone. Uh, I believe, no, I know, that a person will not go until it's their time. And I don't think that there is a delineated point of exit. I think it's implied mm -hmm. that when you get to this point and these things are happening, if you choose to go, you can. Right. That's what I call different kind of exit points. You can yeah. call them kind of crisis choice points. Probably there's one that, or two that are way more likely than others where so, these are going to come together. So many people I've worked with who have since passed on, these folks knew that it was going to happen. They knew it was going to happen in the last couple of weeks. And I was called in to see if I could make a difference. Well, usually people call me in, in these instances anyway, I get called in when there's no hope. Right. And if they'd call me in like six months earlier, maybe. But, um, no, these folks, there was really no hope for this. Mm -hmm. And so I told them that's what I saw. Because I don't want to tell any stories. I want to be honest with each person. And it hurts my heart sometimes to say that, but at least it's honest. Mm -hmm. No games. In every instance, once they knew, it was like, okay, that's fine. I mean, all the records, all the medical things said that there's no hope of survival. Now they've accepted it. And they're in a lot of pain because most of these people had cancer. Mm -hmm. And I said, give me your pain. You don't need it any longer. It's served its purpose. And I run my hand over their body, actually both hands, and their pain goes away and they no longer have any issues and they pass over peacefully, usually, with their loved ones nearby. And that's happened so many times. Not to say that there have been those who were expected to go mm -hmm. that didn't. And it's because it wasn't their time. Yeah, I bring that up because it seems to me that's really the X factor here is this understanding because all of society is set up to make us feel like we're not well enough and we're not good enough and uh, we certainly better not rely on ourselves. There are experts to take care of that for us. So we're kind of a, a, a walking time bomb of neuroses just waiting for something to get us, so to speak. But if we understood there's this incredible grace 
there are these times when it's time to leave and there's the time to be here. And maybe before we get into some of the epidemic things that you're seeing and working with, maybe give us one of your most miraculous stories about this person should be so gone, but this spirit <laughs> was so strong besides yourself that here they are. I think it has, um, gosh, there are quite a few like that. I think the most dramatic one that I can pull up at the moment has to do with a little girl named Natalie. And this was so many years ago. Natalie was, uh, I don't remember now, seven, eight years old, childhood leukemia. They tried everything, lots of chemo, nothing worked. They had a feeding tube. She was just a little pretty face with a hairless, mostly hairless head on a pillow with tremendous amounts of morphine coursing through her body and the feeding tube to keep her alive. And they had basically told the family that she would probably not make it through the night. And that's when I was called in. I found out what the problems were. I found out why it happened. It had to do with uh, relationships in the family that were very troubling to her, to Natalie. And I said about changing things, and I did. And it's the story I think is in the book, uh, The Healer, the Jerry Wills story. Anyway, this was on Good Friday. On Easter Sunday, I went back to the hospital and stood beside Natalie as she wrapped her head in a little scarf, feeding tube gone, no cancer, no problems really except to recover from all she'd been through. She'd been sleeping through the night, every night since, and now Natalie has gone through college and I think she has her own family. It was an extraordinary thing to witness. It was so many years ago, I don't know how many years, 30 years or more. You know, there's Kelly, the guy from Tonga that got beat in the face and kicked in the face with steel-toed shoes and beat in the face with a shovel. Mm. Wasn't expected to live. And I didn't know. You know, I was called to the hospital. Um, took a look. He was pretty bad. I didn't even touch him. I just put my hands near him, saw the problems, fixed it. And then, um, instead of dying that afternoon, he woke up the next day, and he's fine now, except he lost an eye because the doctors yeah. did that to him. They had to. I mean, there's so many stories like this. It just shows that the, that the, the strength of the will of the human spirit, of the soul, to continue on if you can remove an impediment in this case. Like you say with Natalie, did you start talking to or working with the family in terms of what was going on? No. Or just with, through, through her? No, no, it was, I, I didn't know anything about her. I was just, I got a phone call as yeah. it happens. No, I mean after you realized there were family issues that were plaguing her. Oh, well I saw it in her memories. Yeah. You know, like I was saying before, I see a lot yeah. of things. And I saw it in the memories and I saw all of it. And so you worked with that part of her too? So I talked to the family. I see. While we're in the room watching her potentially expire, I said, you guys are responsible for this. Are you talking about on the psychic plane you said this to them? No, I told oh, them in the physical person. plane. That's what I was asking. Okay. So this is what's gone wrong. I'm sorry, folks, but this is what's happened. You need to fix this. I'll fix her. You fix this. Because if you don't fix this, nothing I do is going to make a difference. Well, my first question would be, how did her family respond to the news? Well, they were shocked. Because mm -hmm. I wasn't supposed to know anything about the intrinsic workings of their family or what issues were happening. I wasn't supposed to know any of that. But I did, because I, f I found it. And they were embarrassed and shocked. And I said, this is what you need to do if you want this little girl to live. This is how you do it. And I had them be participants. Mm -hmm. You know, when it comes down to how all of this manages itself, working with this little girl, for example, or working with Kelly, who's completely unconscious and nearly brain dead and bleeding on the brain and I expect her to live, or any of these other people, 
they don't have a state of belief in me at all. They don't even know I'm there. Right. Right. So it isn't a question of, of uh, what someone else has in mind, right. what they accept or don't accept. That's but it how does matter that the soul is ready to heal and accept and continue living. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. It's always right. down to that choice. Well, those are beautiful. Now we we have a little, just a little bit of time left, and I wanted mm -hmm. to talk about some of the things you're seeing that are a little, kind of almost becoming epidemic, even since we talked a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Which, if anyone wants to know about your whole story, they need to go back to interview number one, and including a, the point where you're about 19 years old and a tent revivalist healer, faith healer, <laughs> takes you under his wing and says, "You can do stuff. We'll give you a red Corvette, and you'll have a nice suit and." Mm. All the babes you want if you want to come and work with us. And, and plenty said, of money. And plenty of money. And you said, no, thank you. I think because they're going to have you cut your hair off, too. <laughs> well, I'd have, to, I'd have to stop smoking pot. And you'd have to stop smoking pot. Stop listening to rock and roll. Yeah. I couldn't drink a beer. Right. And I couldn't swear anymore. And these are all things that I enjoy. Right. Of course, right. I'm, not, I'm, not, gotcha. I'm not swearing now because it's being polite. But. <laughs> You know, the thing is, is that when, when it comes right down to what others see you as or expect you to be, you're either going to wear a mask to please them or you're going to be yourself. Yeah. And I figured if I have to do all this stuff just to get a nice red Ford Mustang. Oh, Mustang, right. Not Corvette. You know, convertible. Mm-hmm. I've tried to sit in a Corvette. They're too small. It wasn't working for you. The point is you just said, no, thank you, and went on your way and did your healing anyway. Yeah, I just continued with what and I was that, doing. That whole story, the whole in interview number one in the Guy mm -hmm. Archives, I, I recommend people go back to it and take a peek. So on uh, continuing along uh, the ep lines of epidemics, what are you seeing even in younger parts of the population that's really starting to rise and we need to look out for in our own well-being? There are a number of things, but it all comes right down to the endocrine system. People don't understand that their hormonal system directs how their body functions, whether it's growing hair and nails or skin or repairing, you know, the pads in their vertebrae or their major organs or their eyes or whatever. The hormonal system of the body is like incredibly powerful because it directs all of these things to happen. Have someone with a bad thyroid and see how they feel. Right. Have somebody with um, low testosterone or, or, you know, in a woman's case, still low testosterone. Women have testosterone. Look how they feel. The epidemic that I'm seeing with people right now, and I have been seeing for the past many years, is that folks don't know about this. And when I tell them about it, it's like, really? Are you serious? That could be the responsible party of the, what's going on. Yes, it is. And I keep seeing it person to person. I don't know why it's happening. Well, wait, but one thing that we talked about off camera and we've talked about before is the incredible load of industrial and other types of pollutants and the way they're yeah. affecting their disruptors to our endocrine system. Well, there are so many disruptors. Um, biphenyl A. I mean, how many people drink water out of a plastic bottle? Right. What's in that water? And most folks go, well, it's just, you know, if it's in there, it's just like, you know, not much. How much is too much? And they're trusting, like you said earlier, they're trusting some other person in a power of authority to tell them that it's okay. Whether it comes down to some kind of additive in their food or fluoride in their toothpaste mm -hmm. or salt that has no iodine or some other industrial chemical solvent. So if people want to make a difference in their lives, they need to become educated. And trusting other people to tell you the truth, it might be a mistake if you're thinking that the people who are in that position are going to tell you accurately. You know, as far as the endocrine system, uh, biphenyl A kills it. How many bottles of water do you have to drink before it damages the epithelial cells and they no longer function and produce any of the hormones? Well, and that's why it's almost, I'm glad you brought this up in the way you did because this is, has such a broad effect within the human body that everyone responds differently 
to a disruption in their endocrine function, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it is. So it like, can look like, what kind of diseases can that look like? Oh my goodness. Pretty much everything. How about um, something wrong with your eyes, to ringing in your ears, to heart conditions, to your bowels not working? Um, on and on. I mean, there's Basically, so many things. I mean, just pick a thing and name it, and you probably hit a bullseye. You can probably trace it back yeah. in its origins to some malfunction in the endocrine system. So it seems to me that, you know, obviously, number one is you've got to go with that, the cleanest source of everything you can possibly find. If you can find it. If you can find it. Okay, beyond that, um, and that makes sense. I mean, when people go on cleanses and healing diets and obviously organic, mm-hmm. um, eat organically as much as you possibly can. Don't drink stuff out of a bottle and so forth. What else uh, can we do to protect our endocrine systems and give them a fighting chance? And can we repair them once they've been damaged? No, I can't even fix that. I've tried. I tried with Kathy. I couldn't. I've tried mm-hmm. with so many people, even myself. Those are those those cells are about as fragile as a butterfly's wings in a flame, mm-hmm. and when they're gone, they're gone forever, unless something happens and science comes up with a new way of doing something. But as it stands now, no. So, clean it up as best you possibly well, can. But see, you're talking about people who are our age looking at this, going, yeah. "Well, we've got to clean this up." Right. It's too late. Yeah. So really, this message needs to go into your kids' lives. The 20-somethings. Yeah, and, and your kids' kids. And younger. Yeah. Because, yeah. you see, you're looking at people like us. I'm 63, mm-hmm. and I wasn't thinking about this stuff when I was 27 or 28. I'd no, grab a bottle no. of water and drink it down. Yeah. Been sitting in the sun, it tastes a little off, so what? I'm thirsty, I drink it. Um... These are cumulative poisons. And the things that I'm seeing that are disabling people now are in the age range of the late 40s and higher in age, where these things have damaged them and they don't know how to cope with the issues, Mm -hmm. whether it's things like arthritis, inflammation in the fingers or the joints. Why is that happening to me? or heart conditions, or they're just putting on lots of weight. They can't get it off. They're trying to eat well. They're taking lots of supplements. Going back to what I said earlier, they're moving in a, in a, a level of apprehension and fear, and they don't know what to do. So let's talk about, we only have a couple minutes left. Let's talk about saying, okay, that's me. That sounds just like me. Mm-hmm. What can we do? Because we can always do something. Well. You can do something, but I don't know what it is. Because, you see, every person's different. And because they're different, I have, you know, when I'm working with someone, I can look inside and see. And I can make an assessment and then say, oh, well, here we go. Yeah, that's one off, though. But in terms of that other thing we talked about, about having that that internal confidence in yourself that it's not your time. So even though you may have a little corruption here and there in your endocrine system, not not optimized, just by applying that level of confidence to our lives, certainly it can shift something within. So at least if the anxiety is taken away, at whatever level our immune system or our endocrine system is functioning, it can kind of continue on until our expiration date, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. I agree with that. And you're right, the level of confidence you have within yourself, keep that going. Be confident, don't be afraid. If there isn't a solution for whatever is bothering you, then live confidently with what you have and see yourself as something different than what you see when you look in the mirror or what you think when you reflect back on the past period of time where you've not been very happy, mm-hmm. whether it's because of emotional stresses or health issues. See yourself differently. Be the person that you really imagine would be the happy person, the happy version of you. Live in confidence. And if there's something that you want to find out, you want to find out why this is happening, what you can do about it, well, there's a way of getting a hold of me. I'll be happy to try and help. As you did me, again. How's your fingers? 
They don't hurt. Perfect. And you said it would be an hour, you know? Mm-hmm. And I did not believe that the pain would go away that quickly. Even though I know you and I know what my bodies and all bodies are capable of, I was really surprised when I'd say 80% of it was gone in 10 minutes. So I love you to pieces, Jerry. Thank you for saving the day personally and for all of us that needed to hear this message at this time. Love you too, Regina. <laughs> If you enjoyed this conversation with Jerry, we have about four or five more of them in the Gaia archives, each one on a different topic. You might want to start with number one, which, as I mentioned before, explains his own strange background here on Earth. To contact Jerry, you can go to jerrywills.com. Until next time, thank you for joining us here on Open Minds. Thank you for listening to this episode of Gaia's Consciousness Podcast. Learn even more at Gaia.com and watch interviews, movies, and original series all to empower the evolution of consciousness. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. Gaia. Watch. Belong. Transform.